KUT's AT Explained is back with a brand new season. Our first episode, what's up with that tower in Clarksville? I've heard it called the Clarksville Eiffel Tower, the tower, the leaning tower of Clarksville, all those names. Subscribe to AT Explained wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget our next AT Explained live show at the Paramount Theater on April 3rd. Brand new stories told live on stage. Get your tickets at austintheater.org. Support for AT Explained Live comes from Meals on Wheels Central Texas and World Interiors. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Hello, and welcome to This Song, the podcast where artists talk about the songs that changed their lives and give us a glimpse into their creative process. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and this week on this song, we'll be hearing from Italian composer and arranger Daniel Lupi. But before we get started, I want to thank everyone who has subscribed to this podcast. Like, we have almost 9,000 subscribers, which is rad. If you haven't subscribed, we would love it if you did. You can do it on the podcast app or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And that way, you'll get next week's episode with Portugal the Man delivered to you as soon as it comes out. Come on, join us here on Team This Song. Okay, now to Danielle Lupi. He's like a busy guy. He writes music for TV and films. He's worked with Gnarls Barkley and Red Hot Chili Peppers. And he releases records under his own name. These records aren't, like, typical, though. Like, it's not a recording of an orchestra playing his compositions. Instead, he chooses to collaborate with non-classical performers. In 2011, he released the Spaghetti Western-inspired Rome, and he worked on it with Danger Mouse and Jack White and Nora Jones, as well as, like, the musicians who had played on those original Spaghetti Western soundtracks. And last year, he released Milano, which has Parquet Courts and Karen O oh from the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs performing songs he wrote about his teenage experiences in Milan. We're fans of the record here at KUTX, the radio station in Austin, Texas, where we make this podcast. And so when I got a chance to talk to Danielle, I jumped at it, of course. Danielle told me about a song he heard and saw when he was really young that changed his life. I first heard the song, uh, I must have been seven years old or so. I was living in a condo in Venice, Italy. At my place, we only had like a small, tiny black and white TV, probably as big as an iPad today. But And this kid living next door told me for an entire week that his dad was going to get a big color TV. So I went in there and to see this new thing. And the first thing I saw, it was the video for the Video Kill the Radio Star. I heard you on my wireless back in 52 Lying awake intently tuning in on you If I was young it didn't stop you coming through I saw it in full color and uh, I realized now the sound was stereo so it was the first time for me um, and you know, seeing and, and, and hearing this amazing song was like almost a life-changing thing. As a young boy, I was also 
particularly impressed by this girl dancing in the glass tube. And uh, obviously the, you know, triple stacking of keyboards of, of the guys in the background was also pretty cool for me uh, to watch. <laughs> so really, it's the song and it's the video that really impacted you, which I was wondering about because that song is so closely tied to the imagery. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It was the full experience. Definitely, um, you know, seeing these musicians trying to create something futuristic, but also nostalgic at the same time, uh, and creating the video for that, it, it was a full package, you know, which is what I still admire today as a, you know, music producer. Um, it, it was a fantastic intuition and, and they performed everything perfectly. I felt definitely a lot of joy. Um, you know, the, the beat is very driving, is incredible, but I was moved as well. I, I didn't understand the, the lyrics, but it had a quality to it that felt like not a joyous um, statement that they were making, but rather, you know, something, I wouldn't say they were sad about it, but it definitely felt like they were communicating some kind of um, of problems that they were having. I don't know how better I can explain that. It, it, you know, it wasn't a, a like dance uh, happy thing. Um, again, that I could understand what they were saying, but I'm talking about the delivery of the vocals and the arrangements. Um, it was very moving to me for some reason. song really deals with like cultural ambivalence around change you know I mean and it it was kind of the perfect song for that moment like it was the first song that played on MTV and video like did kill the radio star so yeah I mean there's something so so universal about that sentiment I mean especially the older we get and the the quicker technology changes things I think the more I relate to that song <laughs> that, that's excellent it's actually funny. Yes, the the idea is that those guys in the early 80s, they were lamenting, they were nostalgic about the 50s or 60s, which is probably when they were kids. And, and I now feel the same way about something that came out 30 years ago when I was a kid. Um, so it is probably that feeling of... Uh, in a sense, you know, um, you know, being very pure and, and open to, to 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 new things like sounds and, and you know things that you're looking at, people that you meet, that it's something that you experience um, in a very fresh way when you're really young, and so I think the older you get, you 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 try to go back to that place. Uh, which is kind of what I do with all my records as well. Um, it is something that, it's a period of time that, that contains a lot of great positive information and 
and you kind of hide in there sometimes. And I think this song makes that happen very quickly. Daniel Lupi's latest record, Milano, is also an exercise in nostalgia. For this record, he returned to Milan in the 1980s, and I wondered, what was so compelling about that place in that time? So the Milan of my youth, growing up in the city as a kid, I kind of took it all in. The good, the bad, the beautiful, the ugly. It felt to me like a pop culture schizophrenia of high-end, upscale clubs, yuppies, but also the punks, uh, the disco bars. It was a very colorful decade. There was the extravagance of furniture, the fashion, the design. Uh, I recall the gorgeous models walking around town. But with that coexisted also a a pretty dark underworld. Um, Junkies hanging out in the parks, at the train station outside the school. It was an interesting time, Um, a very different, every decade is different, but that one was particularly different because of technology, because of uh, Milan started to be more of an international, um, you know, capital. And uh, I witnessed all that at such a young age, not as young as when I heard Video Kill the Radio Star, but definitely, uh, I was still, you know, impressed. I was still able to be impressed by stuff like that, and I took note. You've collaborated with different people on different records. You collaborated with Danger Mouse and Nora Jones and Jack White on Rome. Um, for this record, you chose Parquet Courts and Karen O. And I was wondering what kind of led you to those to those groups. I have uh, been a fan of uh, Parquet Courts. Uh, for a while, and then at some point they released some bathing animals. And that album uh, contained many different sounding tracks, and I felt that if I was going to go for um, that kind of 80s, late 70s sound, um, the band was the perfect choice. Um, so I, I got in touch with them and I explained to them that this Milano album was going to be kind of a, a, a mix because it had the visuals of Milano and the, the narrative of Milano, so stories about the beautiful and, and the ugly of Milano, if you will in the 80s, uh, but I wanted the sound of New York in, you know, in terms of music. Um, I felt that there was a connection between Milano and New York um, in terms of experiencing um, the same social struggles and, 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 you know, uh, and things that were happening in, in these two places. Then I found out after trying to create myself a, a, a sort of fil rouge through you know these two cities, I found out that um, you know musicians like David Bowie, while living in New York, he was uh, in the 80s. He was actually collecting a lot of Milanese design furniture, or like fashion um, stars like Karl Lagerfeld was traveling to Milan and 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 also 
uh, it was inspired by by the, the the design coming from that city. So I felt like it made sense to connect those two places. And for the music part, Parquet Courts was the perfect band to you know to to, to let me try to do that. Albatross flying again after. Passes overseas, brings a ghost to its knees. Feathers flocking into words on a page. I wrote the songs, um, all the songs in, in the album, and uh, they did a fantastic job. They could really make those tracks feel like coming from that, not, not necessarily from that era, but from that um, attitude um, of being against, you know, um, you know, the status quo, if you will. They had that attitude and it was perfect for what I was trying to do. Lentamente, per favore, was all I asked him, but he ignored me. View of Il Duomo, brand new sound system, sweating profusely, he calls me his kitten. And then about Karen, I must say I, I wasn't very familiar with the Yeah Yeah Yeahs music, but I actually really liked her solo album, where she sings uh, very softly, very intimate. One, two. Don't tell me that they're all the same. At the same time, I knew that she was also um, able to, to deliver uh, lyrics in a very aggressive way. Talisa, I sat on the model. Talisa, Talisa, pop goes those balls. Gianni says, I love that she is in control of both. Uh, you know, these extremes of, of her vocal spectrum and, uh, and she always does it with a lot of style. I, I found it fascinating to try to uh, combine these two things and I love the result. One thing I was, as you were talking about Milan and, and talking about um, this new record, and I just wondered in general with your music, um, because you have done composing for films, it, has there always been a visual element to your approach to music or has music been connected to other visual uh, stimuli? Yeah, for me, visuals and, and, and music are very tied together. They, I always come up with some kind of visual idea when I, when I write the music and the other way around. Uh, for example, the cover of the Milano album, I saw this picture at a friend's house uh, from Alex Prager and it felt like it, it was saying everything I was trying to say with the music and I was in the process of recording the music. And I, I remember I, I printed a, a copy of that and I kept it on my desk while 
you know, at the piano writing these songs. And it felt very helpful to have a visual connection. At the same time, when I worked for, you know, I had, had the chance to work on, on films and, and TV shows, um, I'm lucky enough that as soon as I read the script or f see a few images, um, the music starts to, you know, ideas, music ideas starts to pop out. Um, which, you know, they're, they're not just the, the face of the actor, but it could be the light, uh, the look of, 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 you know, the set or whatever they're trying to do with that. It, it's going to influence a lot the, the way I'm, I'm hearing the music in my head. And then I, I just execute what I'm thinking, essentially. Oh, wow. So it really is tied to visual imagery, <laughs> which, well, and it's interesting because that's one of the things you mentioned with Video Killed the Radio Star was it was the music and it was what you were seeing. Maybe that's the culprit. I mean, that, that's, that, that's how it, it's funny. <laughs> you just made me realize that's maybe how everything started, you know. <laughs> well, uh, well, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Thank you. <laughs> Do you like it when I dance for you like this? Promise to love me. And this is Pretty Prizes by Danielle Lupi, as performed by Parquet Courts and Karen O. Oh, and Danielle Lupi has made sure that Milano is not just an auditory experience. He's been releasing a series of videos that all relate back to Milan, both the record and the city in the 80s. And the video for this song, well, it's really more of like a mini movie. It's totally compelling, a little disturbing. I will post a link to it on the show notes page for this episode. You should watch it. You should watch all the videos. And Danielle Lupi just produced a song for Karen O featuring Michael Kiwanuka. It's called Yo My Saint. So I will post a link to that too on the show notes page. And I'll post a link to the video for Video Killed the Radio Star because it is awesome. And that's it. You have come to the end of another episode of this song. This song is a production of KUTX 98.9 in Austin, Texas. This episode was produced and edited by Art Levy and me, Elizabeth McQueen. Kelly Seal is our excellent intern. Aaron Waltz is our social media intern back from winter break. Yay! Thanks to Deidre Gott and Peter Babb and Todd Callahan for all they do for this podcast. And it's true. Our theme song is Mahout by Austin's own Hard Proof. Right on. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.